Coming to you live from your morning BM, I'm Johannes Stauffer, and with me as always is Mystery Bits of Corn, and this is the Mildly Alarming Podcast. Episode 100, No Bottom, Just More Barrel. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Mildly Alarming Podcast, the show where the uninformed debate the unimportant with the unintelligent. My name's Tom Rich. And I'm Johanna Stauffer. Which of us is which of those? I I think it kind of depends on the topic and the day. Depends is a brand of adult diapers. (laughs) It's true, and we are both wearing them. That way we don't have to get up during the podcast and we can just bring you that raw, unprocessed podcast you crave. It's the only way to be sure that we can get through an entire episode. We're maybe a little incontinent. A little nothing. I... I'm not continent at all. <laughs> I, I guess I'm an ocean in this in this analogy. I'm a little continent. So, Europe? Yeah, probably. <laughs> it, it it seems weird to me that Europe is a separate continent from Asia. It is weird. Like, that's pretty Eurocentric. Yeah. But then again, Europe's weird too, because, like, where else on the planet do you find that many countries crammed into that small of a space? Like, that's a lot of different stuff in a tiny little part. When, when were the continents, like, decided? When was that codified? Probably by Europeans in, like, the 1800s. Well, because when I, whenever I think about it being strange that, like, this is where the... Like, I've brought it up in conversation before. That's really weird that Europe's its own continent. Um, and then people are like, well, no, it's because of tectonic plates or whatever. But are there actually, like, tech, is there like a is there a fault between Europe and, and Asia? I don't... Could, could Europe fall off of Russia if there were a big enough earthquake? I... I don't know but i want to see michael bay direct that disaster movie yeah no wait not michael Bay. he doesn't do disaster movies it's uh the other guy james cameron uh sure we'll go with it i can't think of the other guy's name uh no i don't know i don't know that there's a tectonic plate there i don't think there is i think there's like a eurasian plate like it's all one big thing i think you're right yeah plus like the the actual boundary isn't even like at a national border because russia wanders over into europe well right and then you've got like the the ural mountains is the actual there could be sort of yeah so the mountains like that's sort of the idea there there's probably some some tectonic whatnot going on in the Urals. i suppose yeah you need to bring your mic up by the way you're talking over top of it there you need you need me to come help you yeah i I do i'm leaving this in i I do i have a i have tiny tiny little hands and you are like some sort of germanic barbarian uh, the other, the, the, yeah, there, sit there. That better? Probably not, actually. Fair enough. I'm, I'm tempted to make an Aryan purity versus mongrelization joke here, but that's probably not okay at all. Probably not. Fair enough. All right, yeah, so the mic's working now. That's good. It's now up by my face a little bit more. We're good at this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there there's a tectonic plate, but it is weird. Like, Europe is weird. In that way. It's true. In that it's its own continent and in that it's got so many countries crammed at such a small space. Because most of them, you know, like they're smaller than most U.S. states. Like I'm pretty sure Michigan is as big as like all of France. Oh, it's certainly bigger than France. Yeah. My, uh, well, I don't, I, I don't want to say certainly. I'm pretty sure it's bigger than France. It definitely is if you in- include the uh, the Upper Peninsula. You have to. That's part of Michigan. I know. But yeah. uh, People wouldn't. They'd be like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's always nice when maps leave it off. The Upers get real grumpy about that. <laughs> but then sometimes they're like, no, it's cool that we get left off. We're like a secret place. My dad uh, worked for years for a company that was based in Germany, um, but he he ran like the, the U.S. operations. And I'm sure this happened more than once, but he told me a story about um, some higher up at the at the parent company in germany Mm -hmm. um being really upset that like an order hadn't gone out in time or something and the customer wasn't going to receive their product for like a couple extra days because of it and this guy was like when that happens you get in the car and you drive it there yourself (laughs) 
And this was going from Michigan to California. And this guy just didn't have a concept of a nation that you couldn't drive across Mm -hmm. in like a few hours and just be home like a new missed dinner. But that's just, you know, you do that for the company. Right, right. Not like I'm going to drive to California, you know. See you in five days. Yeah, there are there are parts of there are significant parts of Michigan where that's impossible, let alone yeah. the entire continental United States. Yep. You go to you go up to the UP and you're actually closer to Minneapolis than you are to Detroit. Like yeah. like Marquette is like the fulcrum of that. You go any any further west from there, it's you're you're better off heading for Minneapolis than you are if, to Detroit. You're you're better off heading to Minneapolis than Detroit in many from cases. Pretty anyway. much anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But in terms of raw distance. Unless you're trying to meet Eminem or Kid Rock. Does Eminem even live in Detroit anymore? I think so. Does he Kid still Rock does. Kid, he, Kid Rock hangs up, up out up by uh, by Boyne City, too. Yeah. Up somewhere up in that area where my uh, my wife's from, yeah. Her uh, friend saw him paying his electric bill once. That's someone, down. Elvis Costello or some, someone who's not even like Michigan-y at all, has a house on uh, on Torch Lake up where my family mm-hmm. vacations. Yeah, a lot of a lot of famous folk go up there. It's a it's nice, a nice area. place. They should uh they should share the wealth and buy me a house on Torch Lake. I'll call I'll give Kid Rock a call next time I see him. When we get podcast famous and start raking in all that podcast cash cuz we've gotten a podcast, podcast record money. deal um and we're doing podcast <laughs> tours. <laughs> I love the idea of printing out our podcast on actual vinyl records. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. For absolutely. people to listen to like it's a Bill Cosby album. Yeah, it's better on vinyl. There's just a lot more, you know, warmth to the sound. <laughs> to, to, the, to the fart and poop jokes. Yeah. yeah, not just that, but the fart and poop jokes recorded digitally. <laughs> uh, good times. So what are we talking about on our board game podcast today? Uh, Kid Rock, the board game. Can we make that? I, I don't know that it exists, but dude, there is a... Insane Clown Posse Road to Shangri-La board game. You have mentioned this to me. We need to find a copy, and we need to play it. We need to find a copy in such a way that does not allow any more money to go to the Insane Clown Posse. Actually, you know what? I'm fine with it. They can have it. If anyone knows where we can find a copy, because I'm not going to the internet and searching Amazon for that. I don't want that in my search history, and I'm just too lazy. That's true. But if anyone out there listening knows where we can find a copy of the ICP Road to Shangri-La board game, uh, let us know. We will create the first and probably only video podcast of the Mildly (laughs) Alarming Show to play Road to Shangri-La from the Insane Clown Posse. Uh, <laughs> I'll do it. Uh, they're really the pride of Michigan, aren't they? Yep. Yep. My favorite Insane Clown Posse joke has got to be the... The Insane y- Clown Posse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's The fact that there's only two of them, that's not really an Insane Clown Posse. That's an Insane Clown friendship. Who is? Who said that? I don't remember which comedian it was. It's pretty... That's pretty great. It's, it's pretty good, though. So if you know who that was, uh, let us know so we can give that person proper credit for borrowing their joke. I'll try to remember to look it up and put it in the show notes. So uh, we were going to talk at the beginning of the show before we got distracted talking about <laughs> continents and the insane clown posse and whatever the hell else this is all about. Uh, we were going to talk about introducing new people to board games and introducing board games to new people and introducing new people games to boards and board people to games my favorite is intru- introducing boards to just people new or or otherwise are you introducing these boards quickly <laughs> at face height yes at high speed yes uh you don't want to waste their time you're like bored and then and then you hit them with a board you're, you're talking about beating people with a hunk of wood aren't you yeah that's <laughs> what else were we talking about <laughs> What else do we ever talk about? That's what board games are also. Just doing that repeatedly to someone. It's a board game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so. If we keep going like this, we're going to hit the 10 minute mark before we ever reach any real content. That sounds like what we strive to do around here, it's really. The, it's the 10 minute us show. <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to just talk about the insane clown posse some more? Oh, yeah. Who, who wouldn't want to listen to that? Most people wouldn't. Well, I, 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 I don't know that I've ever actually heard an Insane Clown Posse song. I so, don't think I have. So I'm really just talking out of my ass <laughs> when I say they suck. I, I couldn't, I can't really speak No, wait, to no, that. I've heard the Magnets song. <laughs> oh, Magnets, how do they work? Yeah, that one. I've seen, like, mockery of that 
song, but I've never actually sat down and listened to it. Are you sure? Because the first time I saw, I think it was the official music video for that song, I thought it was a joke making fun of the Insane Clown Posse, <laughs> but it was not. Uh, no, I don't. No, I don't know that I've ever actually seen it. Yeah, well, there's the ten minute mark. Did we? Did we make it? We did. Cue fireworks and excitement music here. You'll have to add that in in post, <laughs> but like, just put it in, right? You'll right, have yeah, that added. Yeah, I'll okay. take care of it. Okay, good. So now we're going to talk about our topic at hand. Sure, we are. That's going to happen. Maybe. Yeah. Introducing new board games to people, people to board games. Generally, taking a thing that is not familiar to another thing and just mooshing them together like peanut butter and wood. Those, yeah. Okay. I could see that, I guess. You never taken, like when you were a kid, like you would take a jar of peanut butter down to your dad's wood shop and you would scoop up some of the sawdust, mix it all up in there, and then with a spoon? If that was something that either of us did, how would that have been an apt analogy for two things that are not familiar to one another? Well, they weren't familiar with one another until you took the peanut butter downstairs. It's not like Dad was cutting lumber in the kitchen. So you could have just said peanut butter and bread, because it's not like they make bread out of peanuts. Well, but the peanut butter and the bread are both in in the kitchen. Or in a peanut butter factory. (laughs) Your analogy is bad, is what I'm saying. You never did that? No, no. How did you get, like, your fiber growing up? I don't know. Hmm. Weird. I was too busy eating paint chips. Clearly. You mean wall candy? (laughs) (laughs) Uh. So let's start off with introducing a new board game to people. Yes, let's start off that way. 11 minutes into the podcast. At the beginning. (laughs) So, like, you've got some people, they've never played a board game before. A given board game. Like, they've played board games in general. They're they're generally board game initiated. they They are board game initiated enough that they're not frantically clawing at the door trying to get away from you when you brought the board game out. Right. They haven't played this particular board game, but they are willing to play... A board game as a general concept. I'm going to sidetrack us again just momentarily. Because when I talk about board games, and like we have a board game podcast and we design board games, people now have taken to being like, now do you mean real board games? Or do you mean like new board games? And they always say (laughs) it like with this sort of air of like mystery. Like those confusing things that are complicated and might be fun if I put time into it. But you can't put time into board games. They're board games, right? It's like Monopoly and Sorry and all of mm-hmm. those things we grew up with live in a totally different world, and it's just an accident that we've applied the same moniker to sure. both. Well, it is kind of weird, the number of things that get lumped under board games that are not really alike at all. Or that aren't don't involve a board in any way. I try yeah. to use tabletop whenever yeah. I, ha- I can, but then you have to define that term for people. And, and even then, we played um, we played this game called Moniker the other night, which is reviewed by board gaming blogs and is fantastic. You should buy it. Um, and is, it falls under board games and is held, sold in board game shops and is in the board game section of Amazon and all that. that we used the table very little. Like, the table was there because we needed something to sit around. Like there was it no uses need cards. For, yeah, it uses it's cards. Like, it's like charades on steroids. Yeah, kind of. And it uses cards to tell you what you're doing, but then you're, you know, you're jumping up to do, to act stuff out and pretend to be, you know, shirtless Vladimir Putin or whatever. And... There's no reason for it to be in the same category as Eclipse or The Resistance yeah. or any of these other weird games. Um, do you remember that time we were looking for Arkham Horror expansions and we went to Toys R Us? Oh, that was the best. So, can I tell it? Can Can I start with the guy? Yeah, yeah. You, you start. So, I'll do the second part. So we were looking. The second part is the main bulk of the story, but this this was it was. Definitely part of the experience. <laughs> we went to Toys R Us. We'd already, we'd already checked out uh, Barnes and Noble and a couple other places. I think so, yeah. None of them had them, had the expansions we were looking for. So we go to Toys R Us. We're like, okay, they have a huge board game section. They have to have something. We were wrong. They didn't. And uh, as, we're, as we're walking through, just... Just two guys in their mid to late 20s and for, walking through. And for some reason, this was on a weekday, too, wasn't on it? A like week, in the middle of the day. Uh, no, no, it was night, right? We'd ha- have we, hadn't we had dinner? Maybe we'd had lunch. I feel like it was dark out. I feel like it was light out, and I feel like it was weird that we were available at that hour. Either way, it was weird, because you were dressed like business casual, because you were f- coming from work, either yeah. for lunch or whatever, and I was dressed like I'm usually dressed, so probably frightening to everyone who has to look at it, regardless of the time of day or year. 
and we we walk into a mostly empty Toys R Us, and we're heading toward the board game section, and there's this, like, 50, 60-year-old, like, gray, beardy, grizzled guy standing at the, um one of those kiosks in the middle of the hall of the like walkway looking at Legos and just like grunting unsettlingly to himself <clears throat> for the whole time we were there. Yeah. And we were not, we were not there briefly. No, we, we perused thoroughly. We asked for help yeah. and he was there beginning to end. He was still there when we left. He did not move from that spot. And he was wearing denim. He was wearing denim and camo from head to toe. Yeah. It was, we don't know what ha- what became of that man after we left. We don't know if it turned out he was a, some sort of mall Santa <laughs> or just a wonderful stand-up member of the community, but we... we f- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure right now we don't have any mall Santas that listen to the podcast, but if ever that happens in the past, I have no excuse for this. I agree 100% <laughs> with what Tom just said. Uh, I forgot what I was saying. But anyway, the thing that made me think of this story um, was that we uh, we looked through the board game section. We didn't find any Arkham Horror expansions or any Arkham Horror at all. Yeah. And so we flagged down a um, worker from Toys R Us. Like a worker bee. Yeah. Just a drone. And she... Mindless. You know, she stops and she kind of looks as like, why are two, you know, kind of youngish guys just in a Toys R Us in the middle of the day? Why is this happening? Um, I, what choices in life led me to be having this conversation? And so we said, we're looking for a, an expansion set to the game Arkham Horror. We're wondering if you guys carry it. And she goes, is that one of those adult board games? <laughs> and we're like... Tom just totally clams up, just like, I don't know how to answer this question. <laughs> and I, I thought about it, and I was like, I can't be silent for too long. That's weirder than answering the question. And finally, I was just like, yeah, you could say it's not for kids, I guess. Yeah, it's it's it, it's not really adult. I wouldn't say adult with the inflection that you <laughs> used. It's not a kinky adult born game. I feel like if you're buying, if you're in in like the sex toy shop buying a game, and you buy a board game called Arkham Horror, like <laughs> your night is about to go badly. Like, don't buy that game. There's nothing good that's going to happen to you when you unfurl that box and let loose the mass of rubbery tentacles that lurks within. Excuse me, miss. Uh, when, when I buy when I buy this copy of Arkham Horror, are the nipple clamps included <laughs> or do I have to buy them from over there two aisles over? Oh, those come with it. But if you want a nice, like a really a, a set that's going to last, you should pick up another one because these ones are chintzy plastic and they won't, you know, you'll get some play and then they'll fall apart and you'll be like, now we can't finish our game of Arkham Horror. <laughs> but the clown costume is of high quality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That marks really the first uh, nipple clamp reference on the Mildly Alarming Podcast. Which is surprising. It it is, really. You're welcome, everyone. You're welcome, the internet, for that. Are you going to have to bleep out nipple clamps? Is that a term you have to bleep? I have stopped bleeping out even, like, I'm basically taking a TV ratings censorship level of uh, bleeping for the podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. So anyway, there are even some swears that I would consider swears that you would never have been allowed to even say bleeped on television, let alone Hmm. that you can just say now. Hmm. So nipple clamps is fine. Nipple clamps, nipple clamps, probably only a certain number of times, though. I should look that up. Oh, that's probably true. Yeah. It's sort of like how if you uh, want your movie to be PG-13, you're allowed a single I'm not going to leave that one in. Fair enough. But it's true. Like, it is true. You're right. You, you exactly. Can, you, you can drop one F-bomb and and, it's, and remain PG-13. And like there's a certain amount of butt you can show. Yeah. And actually, I've read that um, directors or producers, whoever gets to make these choices, um, will add uh, one use of the F-word to the script in order to get their PG-13 rating that they otherwise might not have gotten if they're trying to target a specific audience. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, no one's going to come and see this movie if it's only PG. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Hmm. So that's a thing. Yeah. So if we're going to try to keep this segment to a half, a half hour, we now have 10 minutes to talk about our two topics. <laughs> about introducing board games to a new board game to a group of people that already play board games. Yeah. Let's get back into that. Okay. How, yeah. how we can go. 
Um, I like to start with the objective and work backward. Okay. So, like, if I'm going to introduce Eclipse, it's going to be like, your goal is to get the most victory points at the end of nine rounds. How do you get victory points? You get them by doing A, B, and C. How do you do A? How now, do you are, do are you assuming that these people are already familiar with the theme? Okay, I might start with the theme. I would start with the theme. Like, you could never sell that game to me. Ever. I could never sell that game to you ever, no matter how I explain I, it. I still would occasionally maybe think about playing it. But if you <laughs> if you pitched it, like the reason Alphonse still loves it, and the reason that uh, I still occasionally tolerate it is because it's about spaceships. Mm-hmm. And that is awesome. Uh, and that's what I thought was cool about it to start. Um, and the whole like upgrade your ship mechanic and all that cool stuff was great. And it wasn't until I realized that it was, had the potential to become this horrible bogged down quagmire of of resource tracking nonsense that i was mm-hmm. like I, I don't know about that um but if you had begun by being like the point is to get the most victory points and to have a lot of resources so your empire doesn't collapse underneath the weight of itself i'd be like forget that nonsense that's how i would say it you, you would emphasize the f very heavily like that in yep. order to suggest you were about to say a different word and then, then kind of head yeah, fake it. Yeah, and then it. I would take on a sort of sing-songy, childish, forget that nonsense voice, um, and that's how I would say it. And everyone would be like, oh, you. Sure. So you do need to you do need to keep the thematics in mind and all of that. But I think that, as a general thing, working back from the objective backward kind of gives players a sense of what they're trying to do and how these mechanics interact to get them toward their goal one of the problems i often run into or feel like i run into or hallucinate that i run into um with explaining games and with with the early playthroughs of a game is that players don't understand how a given action they're taking is going to propel them toward victory Mm -hmm. you know you know what i mean yeah um, and so by starting with the the end state where you're trying to get and working your way backward to the individual actions you'll take, that can kind of help the players to to fit everything together. I'm making very vigorous hand gestures right now for the readers at home. Oh, we can hear them and their listeners, you <laughs> stupid ass. <laughs> um, so there is sort of a distinction to be made, I guess, between like... Introducing people who are interested in board games and maybe interested in the specific style of board game that you're uh, introducing and tricking people into playing a board game they don't <laughs> think they'll like. And maybe they're wrong. Like, sometimes there's value in that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes being like, listen, it's about spaceships, and I know maybe the mechanics don't sound interesting, but spaceships. Maybe they'll end up liking it. We haven't made any good games about spaceships yet. We should do that. We've had a lot of good concepts about spaceships. Yeah. We just haven't really gotten there just yet. Um, what if we made a spaceship racing game? I'd be down. Really? Yeah. Because a spaceship race doesn't necessarily have to go in a closed loop. It could be like a like a Kessel Run type thing. Right. Or like, a, did you ever see the movie Hidalgo with Viggo Mortensen? Yes, but for reasons that you and no one else would understand, it was horrible. Let's just say I was with a person. Fair enough. I actually have never seen it, but I just know the premise. Yeah. Uh, so we could make a spaceship race like that, too, where it's like you, you race your spaceship from planet A to planet Zebulon, and you win if you get there. First. Zebulon is Z in... Uh... Zebulonese of yeah. all things. Yeah. They, they like to be last. They're a very humble people. <laughs> <laughs> also terrible spaceship racers. Not not great no, at, at no. racing spaceships. They don't really get it. But you know, they they got a lot of heart and like In fact they have four hearts. They have four hearts, yeah. And uh but like two like Take that, Doctor Who <laughs> They're real friendly in the spaceship pits, too. Like, you can go over and just chat with them. They'll be all up. And they'll be like, yeah. Spaceship pits. Yeah. Glad you're uh, glad you're hanging out with us. And, like, they'll lend you parts for your spaceship. They'll come over. You know? Yeah. Real, real bad move competitively, but very kind of. Very them. kind. Deeply. A deeply nice group of, of, of people isn't the right word because they're, they're not, uh, but. Right. Creatures. You know. Entities. Yeah amorphous, occasionally tentacled, trigendered beings. Right, with four hearts. Yeah, yeah. Octocardio. <laughs> Wait. Quatricard- tetracardio. There we go. That's much better, uh, because that's the right number. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but introducing people to a new board game, I, I feel like... It- it- 
it's a pretty straightforward thing because if you're introducing people who are already okay with board games as a concept or tabletops or whatever you you know want to call them, um, except for a few people, and I am this person sometimes, and I think our gaming group thinks I am this person even more often than is actually mm-hmm. the case because I like to be loud and obnoxious. Um, but even the sort of person who's like, I hate this sort of game, don't ever try to get me to play this sort of game. If they're really like they're into board games, they're probably going to be willing to give a thing a chance once. Mm-hmm. And so it's really more about like teaching them the rules and making them understand the game quickly enough that they don't zone out before you're actually playing. Mm-hmm. So that it's not all that bad, you know, Get, getting getting a person into a new game was just like, I have this new game. Do you guys want to try it? Please, can we try it? I have this new game. It's new, and mm-hmm. I want to try it. It's new. It's a game that we should try. New, try a new game. Try it. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. Yeah. I, and I, I think having your spiel down, too, and, like, and as you say, making it quick and effective and engaging and showing your enthusiasm. As enthusiasm and, could you say that word for me, please? Enthusiasm. Thank you. Uh, showing that for the game is important. Um, because if you don't have that in that whatever he just said, uh, you're going to have a hard time infecting other players with it and you want to infect them. And two, if your spiel is not down and you don't know the rules well and you're not ready to go, it nothing kills a rules explanation more than you having to take three minutes to pause and read the rule book before you barf it on the other players. Like I, I have to give you some credit as much as I hate to. Um, Tom does a very good job of also being on his first playthrough ever of a game that he bought just because he like saw uh, shut up and sit down or read a board game geek review and was like i must have this game not just teaching it but selling it on all of our first place playthrough including his own just be like no this is how it goes we're doing this now we are playing this game that none of us has ever seen before Mm -hmm. because and I think you're right. The enthusiasm is important because <laughs> you're excited about it. And so that translates even if you do have to go back and check the rule book for a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll do like five minutes of stand up. But no. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't really know. <laughs> I, I've never, going, we'll yeah. fill the hole in while you read the book. Like, yeah. I, we've never been like, oh my God, we're waiting for Tom to finish reading the rules. More often, I find myself being like, I wish this person who was teaching us the game would just look at the rule book instead of continuing to stumble through it and mm-hmm. then be like, oh wait, I missed a thing. Oh wait, I got that wrong. Oh wait, you're all going to be confused forever because mm-hmm. I was unwilling to take five minutes to sure recheck the rule book and that that i'm i'm helped in that in that i don't um have what's that thing that people have that takes up a lot of their time a penis (laughs) (laughs) you can't see it readers but he is so pleased with himself right now (laughs) no hey uh, i'm gonna give myself a merit badge when i get home (laughs) A social life is what I was trying to prompt there. Uh, so I have time to look at the rule book a couple times before we actually get together and play. Um, yeah, but the other thing, too, is that getting it right in the rules explanation, getting it right the first time, too, is important because nothing kind of poops somebody on a game long term than if they're playing their first time through and they think they're doing well. And they're like, oh, no, the, you can't actually do the thing you've been planning for eight turns. It's illegal. Fuck you. <laughs> You just can't do that because yeah, you get a you got a rule wrong in that way. That's where where board games are nice because you can be flexible. You can be like, well, we've been playing this rule wrong for three rounds already. Let's just keep playing it that way, and we'll get it right next time. You can just kind of call it by ear that way, and it's nice. It's so it's like nice. so many of the things that we talk about on this show, as though we are, if not experts, at least have experience. Uh, it's it's just one thousand percent subjective. It depends on the people. It depends on the dynamic between the people. It depends on the game. It depends on the temperature in the room. It depends on the quantity of liquor consumed. I was getting there. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say how drunk you are. Oh. Yours was much more scientific. I am often scientific? No, it's not true. And so moving on to something else equally unscientific is introducing people who have never played board games to board games, which seems similar but I think is not necessarily. Well, you're definitely overcoming Monopoly in every case there because yeah. everybody plays Monopoly at least once in their life and everybody doesn't like their grandma after they play it. <laughs> Even if they haven't played it with their grandma. They're just like, yeah. they're just like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. She's ruthless. 
Uh, but so you're you're fighting up an uphill battle at that point because so many games that people play as part of the American and other Western civilization nations childhood experience are just so garbage. Yeah. Like if you say you uh, say let's play a board game and somebody's like uh, somebody's thinking snakes and fucking ladders. No, they're not going to play with you. Uh, it's, it shoots and ladders now because snakes are too threatening. I believe that it was the written reason for the name change, actually. Also, sorry is now called You Can't Judge Me, You Don't Know My Life. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Or like they're remembering, you know, it's 3 a.m. They're still playing. I must be lonely. Yeah. They're still playing Risk. Dad is holed up in South America. It's just, just nobody wants to be there anymore. Yeah. Because you don't hold up in Australia. That's obvious. South America's a better play. Not true. Not even a little bit I, true. Yeah, I just don't care. I care so little. You care so little. So smart. So, so I, smart. I wonder, though, like this, like the people I mentioned before who were like, so do you make board games or do you make like those new board, board games. games with air quotes that you can't see because this is an audio the, only The podcast. adult board games. The adult, the adult, is that one of those adult board games um, with the nipple? <laughs> Every mildly alarming game includes a complimentary set of nipple clamps. It doesn't matter if it's necessary. You might just want to have them on, you know? I have them on right now. I never take them off. <laughs> They're so chafe. <laughs> um, but, like, I, I wonder how much in, what, we're 28 I think that's 29, whatever. In 30 years, we'll call it 30 years. The next generation is like, God, Catan. I can't believe anyone plays board games anymore. Everyone's had that experience where they play Catan and now they hate their grandma. <laughs> I'm sure glad forward thinking people came up with whatever the new version of Sorry is. <laughs> it's called Don't Judge Me, You Don't Know My Life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but introducing new people to board games again is totally subjective but like you gotta start off light unless you've got like a super dorky friend who's just somehow never played Warhammer or anything already and who's just like I want to jump in with both of my feet and then show you're like, me to your cardboard paradise yeah <laughs> then you're like alright we're gonna start with Agricola and then we're going to move into another game of Agricola. <laughs> you know, I've never actually played Agricola. I haven't either. I just know it sounds horrible. <laughs> it's complicated. Yeah. yeah. I played I played some games with some friends who, well, I guess one of them is a math teacher, but like I don't think of them as like really heavy gaming types. Mm -hmm. And they were like, okay, we have two different games about winemaking, <laughs> and we have one that's like a one-for-one -one accurate representation of the stock market. Which one do you want to start with? And I was like, I wish I were dead. Let's play Dominion. <laughs> At least we all agree on that. <laughs> so you're telling me I shouldn't buy Tammany Hall? The simulation of uh, elections in New York at the during the Gilded Age. See, the name of it sounds like something I wouldn't like. The concept sounds like something I shouldn't like, but maybe would anyway. Like I might get to shout at people. Not really. No, from what I remember, it's very the... like. Well, it's got it's got some cool mechanics. Like you've got a you've got different wards in Manhattan, and th so you're trying to get the ward to vote for you. But like the ward might have some English people and some French people and some Germans in it, and so uh -huh. you've got a you might curry favor with the Germans, but only because they happen to be in a ward that you need. But then they all move out, and so you don't care about the German people anymore. So there's some mechanically interesting stuff going, but I don't think it's like a simulation where you get to yell. No, oh, because like if you got to debate, you know, you're you're the people you're running against, and try to convince people to vote for you. I'd be all about that. Now, that might be an interesting game. Let's make it. You know what, apparently, they haven't. Do you know what game I've always wanted to play, but I've never come close to finding somebody interested to play? The it's Nipple Clamps of Densi Density. <laughs> the Nipple Clamps of Destiny. The Nipple Clamps of Depesty. <laughs> you try it. Come on. How can you butcher that thing I made up? <laughs> the Nipple Clamps of Destiny. Did I get that right? You got it right. Wow. Beginning to end. I am the Nipple Clamp of Destiny. Almost like you can form words better than I can due to your lack of ADHD, a stutter, and half again as much gin as you. As Bring had. me your chafed and budding memories. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> All righty. Uh, where are we at on this first half? 
uh, way long and very content light, but I think that's okay. I think we can probably come back to either or both of these. On a night when we're not morons? That'll never happen, but we can try again. We can try again. And that's what podcasting is about, is trying and failing and trying and failing again. And then posting it on the internet and forcing your listeners to suffer through it in case there's some nugget of goodness in there. There's not. There is no corn in this poop. I don't know, and I don't want to know, what you do with your poop or the corn that you do (laughs) or do not find in it. (laughs) It'd be wasteful to leave it. You can't just flush that. That's good corn. Uh... If that didn't make you vomit, I would like to know. <laughs> so hit us up on Twitter at Mildly Alarming. Shoot us an email at mildlyalarmingshow at gmail.com. Or leave a comment in the comment section for this episode or another one. I'll see it either way. It'll just be confusing at www.mildlyalarming.com. Or just have yourself a nice bowel movement, pick through it, find your comment, and uh, I guess then put it, transcribe it into one of those other ways because I don't want your poop. He wants it, especially if there's corn. He wants the corn bits. I want the corn. But don't send them to him because I imagine I'm going to like wake up one day and my pillow is going to be replaced with a pillowcase full of people's poop corn. (laughs) (laughs) And now, a word from our sponsor. Indeed. Have you been injured in a podcasting accident? The law offices of Mildly, Alarming, and Podcast have over 3 billion combined years of experience in podcast litigation. We'll bare-knuckle lawyer fight for your rights all the time, every time. Our specialties include mic-clipping accidents, deleting an entire episode, and hearing something so dumb that it made your kidneys squirt out of your tear ducts. And if you don't get paid, we still get paid. Call the law offices of Mildly Alarming and Podcast today. Welcome back to the Mildly Alarming Podcast. I'm Johannes Stauffer. And I'm Tom Rich. And uh, we got a new segment for you tonight. News in the booze. All of the alcohol-related news that's fit to talk about on the internet in a podcast about board games. You almost said fit to print because you think our listeners are readers. Do you, you mean you? Th- I think our readers are listeners? No. Oh. Uh, and so we've got tonight, uh, to start us off on News in the Booze, we have a uh, study article from Time Magazine. How much alcohol is too much? A new study has answers. Alcohol, at least in moderation, can help the heart, but too much can be toxic. The latest study tells you where to draw the line. Spoiler alert, there is no line. Drink all you want. It can't possibly hurt you. And with that, we're going to move into our real segment, Booze in the News. (laughs) Bringing it back in with... One of the best headlines I've seen in quite some time. There's not a whole lot of content in this article, but just bear with me. Man wielding banana robs market, peels away, say cops. (laughs) Everything about this is great. This dude straight up robbed a supermarket with a banana that he stuck underneath his, uh, his shirt, stuck it in there and just like pointed it and there he's like give me the money and then rode off on a bicycle he rode off on a bicycle (laughs) did he get the money oh yeah he got the money they don't even know how much according to the police the suspect took an undetermined amount of money and fled the scene on a bicycle he gets onto his bike and peels away philadelphia police lieutenant john walker told the station so we're asking for the public to help we're fearful this male may continue on doing further robberies, and he did get put those people in the market in fear because they could not tell what item he what he what item was. When he demanded money and claimed he had a gun, they looked at the security footage later and like watched him not just like he didn't go to the produce section and get a banana. He like grabbed it off the counter at checkout and was like, I got a gun, give me the money. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like a dad joke of a headline that happened mm-hmm. in a dad joke of a real event where a guy robbed a store for actual money and then got away with it. By using a banana. With a banana. That's pretty great. It kind of, you know, gives us hope for our budding criminal careers. Yeah. 
So how? Anyway. What? Never mind. Okay. Carry on. So I got an article for us. This one comes from the, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, the Babook, uh, and um, Babook.com, and it's entitled, it's spelled BBC. Oh, I thought you were saying some sort of like Inuit word I didn't know. No, 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 Babook. I, I imagined a lot of K's and H's that were silent. No, no, no just a B, a B, and a C. Okay. That's yeah. how you pronounce that, right? Sure. Okay. Uh, and the article headline is Mysterious Giant Sharks May Be Everywhere. So that's terrifying. That is terrifying. It is alarming in a not at all mild way. No. Uh, it's like, regular alarming. It just, just maybe even very alarming. Mysterious giant sharks Mysterious. may be everywhere. Yeah. After I read this, I checked under my couch. I checked under my bed and behind both of my bookshelves. I went out and opened the trunk of my car. I lifted Johannes's shirt to be sure nothing was hiding in there. Nothing but boobs. Nothing but boob. Uh, and also our friend Gary, for some reason, was up up in. Oh, yeah. He's sometimes there. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it explains the insane fluctuations in my weight each morning <laughs> when I weigh myself. <laughs> that would. That would. Yep. Yeah, having a Gary. Sometimes there's a Gary, and sometimes there's not. Yeah, having a Gary clinging to your underboob would, would yeah. probably just swap all, all up difference. in there. Yeah, yeah. makes yeah. it real warm too. I would imagine and moist. Yeah, but uh, yeah, these mysterious giant sharks—they might be everywhere. Um, so you should check and be sure that one's not in your own home. Um, the actual article discusses Greenland sharks, which are a sort of shark that's not well documented. They live very deep in very cold water. And sort of the subheadline is Greenland sharks are absurdly slow and mostly blind, yet they may have spread far beyond the Arctic waters they are known from. And then the webpage is all jacked, so I can't read how that sentence ends. Weird. Is that the shark that, that has, like, an absurd amount of uric acid just, like, in its system that they bury and, like, it ferments and becomes even more disgusting? You're talking about how, like, like in Iceland they do that? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's that type of shark. I think... It sound, it, I think it's that shark. But uh, the, the article was actually very ro- long, so I didn't read the whole thing because I am... Illiterate. Uh, yes. That's the word you're looking for. Right. And But there's a lot of detail in there about Greenland sharks and how scientists think about them. But I just really think we all need to be more aware about them because apparently they could be freaking anywhere. Yeah. You said it and I missed like mysterious was a really good leading word. Mysterious mm-hmm. giant sharks may be everywhere. I just knocked my microphone stand over. I just pictured these like ethereal ghost sharks just swimming through the air like maybe one's <laughs> passing through your head right now who knows it sounds amazing isn't there a movie like on the sci-fi channel called ghost shark if there's like, not there should be oh, like yeah a, there is yeah because it can appear over and like it devours a guy on a slip and slide yeah i think that might be sharknado though no sharknado the the tornado picks up the sharks and throws around i think like in ghost shark the ghost shark can manifest in any body of any water. Any body of water, Because yeah. I think I remember seeing, like, they have a yeah, slip and slide. Yeah, there's definitely that concept. Yeah. I don't know if it's called ghost shark, but it probably is, because what else would they call what, it? What, what else could you possibly call that? I'm just imagining a shark behind Demi Moore on a, you know what? <laughs> with a pottery wheel? <laughs> with a pottery wheel. wheel <laughs> with no shirt on. The shark isn't wearing a shirt. So it's sexy. It, yeah. Mm. Dem <laughs> fins, though. <laughs> Well, uh, I have I have one here. Self-parking Volvo plows into journalists after owner neglects to pay for extra feature that stops cars crashing into people. The uh, article doesn't turn out to be all that interesting, except that there is a video, and this article will be linked so you can watch it yourself, of uh, a Volvo at, with a lot of press people around it, um, watching it park itself. Kind of park itself? It's got a person in it. Um... But park itself, I guess, backing slowly up and then starting to pull forward and then pulling forward very quickly and then just plowing into a couple dudes <laughs> and continuing to go on. And then the rest of the video is upside down inexplicably. Inexplicably. The guy probably dropped the camera. No, he was still holding it. Like, it's upside down, but still being shakily carried by someone. I don't understand that. I don't either. That's weird. I feel like you should pay for the... um. If you're going to get a self-driving car, the part of the self-driving car that keeps it from running into people, that's an important thing not to run into. Yes, it's a little bit of a misleading headline because apparently, well, it is and it isn't. 
Uh, here's a, a salient uh, quote. The accident may have happened because owners have to pay for a special feature known as pedestrian detection functionality, which costs extra. The cars do have auto braking features as standard, but only for avoiding other cars. If they are to avoid crashing into pedestrians, too, the owners must pay extra. Mm. And that's because the cameras and radar and all the other things that this uses sure needs to be able to distinguish humans which are much smaller from automobiles which are much larger also automobiles are made of metal it's true whereas your average human is uh not yeah except for that uh muay thai fighter who was recently kicked out of the league because he had titanium shin implants and so that he could kick the hell out of dudes yeah, he just did it like to be a better muay thai fighter i think so yeah i didn't read the article yeah, that's not i fair just saw at it all online. yeah like you would win a lot of fights that way i feel yep. like especially since muay thai involves a lot of shins being like slammed against other bones of the yeah. body yeah, yeah like that's a, it's a major weapon it's like your shin is a weapon now kill yeah. people with it yeah. on tv good also, isn't a Muay Thai type of drink? I think you're thinking of a it's sepulcher. Just, oh. I don't... You mean the stocks. <laughs> or a pillory. Right, right. What did I say? It's a freaking hammer. <laughs> That's the third time we've stolen that joke on the air. Oh, we just are... For cr- those of you keeping track. For the, for those lawyers from Saturday Night Live keeping track? Yep. Thank you so very, very much. For not suing us yet? Lauren Michaels, Will Farrell, whoever the writers of those sketches were, anyone else who might decide that we need to be stopped. Saturday Night Live's even still on TV. Yeah, they hit 40 years. Just like last week. It's their 40-year season, 40th season huh. end thing. Are Finale. They, are that's they the good? Word. Are they any good anymore? The last one had Louis C.K., so it was pretty fantastic. Louis C.K. is amazing. Yeah. I think yeah. he's really funny. He's some kind of comedy genius. Yeah. Uh, I have an article. It this one is on babook.co.uk. So yeah, uh, and it, that Inuit news site. Yep, and it is hashtag Charlie Charlie Challenge. Why people are trying to talk to demons? Why are they doing that? Well, apparently, you can. the 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 theory goes that you can summon a Mexican demon named Charlie using pencils and some paper. So what you do is you write out the things. Like, the answers to your question, the various possible answers on the paper, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, yes, no, maybe, uh, the name. Try again. Yeah. Whatever the things an eight ball says. Or or even more, like, the names of the people you you think you want to marry. Or, like, the names of the people you might want to kill. Whatever. So, it's not like like that thing in middle school where, like, you flicked the the pop top on your... I don't know. I wasn't cool enough to be allowed to play with those. I, I wasn't cool enough to be allowed to play with those either. I just... I overheard girls that I was awkwardly looking at for too long across the no <laughs> moving on <laughs> moving along <clears throat> so you write i'm down, married now so it's fine right <clears throat> you write down the uh, various answers on the paper then you put one pencil on the paper then you put a second pencil on top of the first pencil so that it kind of wobbles a little bit sure yeah and then you uh what do you do then once you've done it i think you ask you like Charlie is not a good demon name. It's not a good Mexican demon name either. Like, oh, is yeah, Charlie a Mexican true. name like, or know, a Spanish got, name? Sorry. They've got, like, El Diablo. Yeah. Like, that's pretty good. Charlie's pretty weak sauce. Yeah, it's not much there. Uh, and then you ask Charlie. I don't know. There's probably some, like, Bloody Mary code thing you're supposed to say. You're like, Charlie, uh-huh, Charlie, uh-huh. Charlie. And uh, and then supposedly the pencil will move to point to the correct answer as Charlie uh, does his thing. Yeah. So it's basically just like a more directly supposed to be demon related uh, Ouija board. It's just a Ouija board. Pretty much. It's a Ouija board. But you make it with pencils and some paper. Instead of buying it from Hasbro or whatever. Right. But you're also supposed to um, politely ask Charlie to leave when you're done. Well, yeah. I mean, otherwise he's just stuck there Mm -hmm. on the material plane. He's like, damn it. Now I have to like fly all the way over to some sort of airport type location where i can cross planes you know <laughs> i have to take the plane plane <laughs> it also the the article on on this website uh, the bbc website also quotes an unnamed source as saying that 
you uh, must also ask to, quote, stop, unquote, the summoning politely, or you risk, quote, leaving a portal open for demons to come in and out of your house as they please. Are you sure it wasn't an unnamed source saying, you must ask him to leave? <laughs> uh, I, you know, they don't, they don't describe the voice of the source, but it could very well be. Listen, can I talk to you for a minute, BBC? You sure it wasn't Lucifer Mephistopheles, Prince of the Underdark? Could be. Or whoever. C- c- can we talk to the BBC for a moment? Like, hey, BBC. Can we talk to them? Oh, yeah. Is that allowed? Yeah. Okay, listen. You can't write an article about summoning demons and then not source it. You've got to source where that comes from. You've got to tell me where you got your information about demon summoning so I know exactly how much to think you're retarded. Right. Was it the Necronomicon? Was it you, you know, you bought like a really old Bible from an antique store and two pages peeled apart. And there was like, that was just up in there. Did Benedict the 16th come out of retirement to let you in on this secret? Yeah. Like who, how, how did it happen? I got to know this so that I know exactly how dumb you are for running this. Ah. The BBC, the BBC. All right. What do you got? What do you got? Let's get away from Charlie before, you know, a horned demon kills me with his tusks. Well, if we're we're sticking with the uh, the UK, uh, this is from the Independent. PETA, everyone's favorite animal rights organization, calls for Britain's oldest pub. They hold the Guinness World Record for the oldest pub in Britain to change their name from Ye Old Fighting Cocks uh, in order to celebrate quote intelligent, sensitive chickens. So PETA is petitioning this pub. I am completely opposed to that. I To change its name. In fact, I think that the next episode of the Mildly Alarming Podcast should be recorded in Ye Old Fighting Cock. I don't know that I have... Cocks, more than one. Cocks, there's more than one Because if cock. one of them just fights, like, on its own, that's not fair to cocks as a species, because you're just, you're just, you know... You're, you're, you're singling them out. You're singling out the one, and you're like, this is the good one. This, this is, is the, the one. Or at least this is the fighting one. Where, if you're gonna be fair, you don't want to be... Sp- Beast, you gotta be like, listen, fighting cocks. You're all good fighting cocks. We value cocks of all kinds, so long as they fight. Right. So this, uh, this, this dude, you know, from PETA, says that they need to change it to maybe something like ye old clever cocks in recognition of society's growing compassion for animals and in celebration <laughs> of intelligent <laughs> sensitive chickens why not i mean why stop at clever cocks why not go with like ye old poetic cocks yeah you know why not why not because that's stupid ye old gentle cocks they're so gentle such gentle cocks uh so anyway oldest british pub just just stick stick to your cock guns there stick to your cocks one time we bought for his birthday my roommate uh, a bottle of fighting cock brand whiskey and then he drank a large portion of it in one sitting and passed out under the tree in the backyard good for him that's what happens when you mess with the fighting cock yeah good times what do you got i have uh from Yahoo News, the finest source in news these days. The second finest news source after Yahoo Answers. Ah, good point. Uh, Definitive (laughs) and just the (laughs) highest of class. Uh, This article is entitled Nickelback has, quote, most sophisticated lyrics in rock, analyst says. Ooh, who is this analyst? Uh, This analyst is Andrew Powell Morse from wherever. Uh, who ran rock ver- lyrics from various songs through a uh, the readability score, which is a way of determining what grade level whatever the thing is reads at. So is it a third grade level text, I a love fourth this grade already. level text, or whatever? Uh, and he says, sure, we know hit music lyrics aren't the peak of sophistication, but who knew the bar was so low? Well, the bar is actually getting lower. These averages have really been on the decline over the last 10 years. He found, and this is going to be surprising, that of the genres he analyzed, pop, rock, R&B, slash hip-hop, and country, it was country that had the smartest lyrics. Okay. And apparently it's because country music is full of, and this is the analyst, country music is full of words like hallelujah, cigarettes, hillbilly, and tackle box. 
Ah. Add to that long place names like Cincinnati, Louisville, Mississippi, and Louisiana, and country has a serious advantage over the competition. That's certainly an advantage. And unfortunately for R&B and hip-hop and pop, L.A. and New York, they just don't score as high in the readability index as Mississippi yeah. or Louisiana. Yeah. Uh, and when it came to analyzing individual singers, Eminem is the best hip-hop artist in terms of the readability index. The so, best as in the most readable? No, the best. Or the it, least readable? As in he has, he's highest up. He, he like, I have so many problems with this like, rating like already. Reading, it, it, like Eminem's lyrics are the highest grade level. So it's like like you need to be like maybe a middle schooler to get, to really get the full Eminem experience. I adore this rating level. I can become the most. <laughs> I may not be able to beat Finnegan's Wake. So the second most. What was the word they used in the headline? Um, most sophisticated. Sophisticated. I can be the second most because I don't think I can top, like I said, Finnegan's Wake. Uh, I can be the second most sophisticated author of all time by writing just complete gibberish. As yeah. long as the words are long, this computer program will analyze it and be like, this dude, he's the one. Yeah, Finnegan's Wake's hard to top unless you can pull off like better than a pentalingual pun. I mean, sophisticates. Read this. It's called <laughs> Numano Ultra Microscopic Silico Volcaniconiosis <laughs> and Anti Disestablishmentarianism, a breakdown by Johanna Stauffer. Even my name is great because syllables, apparently, are, apparently, and letters are what make things sophisticated. Uh, Nickelback scored as having the most sophisticated lyrics in rock music. As one might expect. Yeah, of course. And it's coming from lyrics like, look at this photograph. Every time I do, it makes me laugh. So it had one. Every time. Every time, I guess, is potentially one word. Every but otherwise, time I do, photograph, it makes me laugh. Photograph. No, you got to get that like back of the throat. Every time I do, it makes <laughs> exactly. me laugh. Exactly. Like how... Lucifer Mephistopheles, yeah, yeah, exactly. who was interviewed in an earlier article. Yeah, there we go. Uh, apparently, Mariah Carey did... did well. Yeah. She had the smartest lyrics of uh, all number one songs across all genres. And on the flip side, uh, Kesha scored the... I'm sorry. Kadalaha. Kadalaha. Scored the worst. She doesn't use the dollar sign anymore. So she's oh. just Kesha now. So she's changed her name. Uh, she scores the worst of anything. Uh, although, and this is again quoting the analyst, Lady Gaga makes a valiant effort to keep up. Keep down? Yeah, who cares? Uh, and so that's... that's now, so, you know, it's, it's really, it's trendy and it's in to knock Nickelback. Because they are terrible. Mm -hmm. But they're doing something right because they have loads and loads and loads of money. They have like record breaking record sales. Mm -hmm. And their front man is married to Avril Lavigne. Hmm. Like, I didn't know that. Way to go, that guy. Is It might just be, you know, Can Canadians keeping it in the nation. That yeah, could be. Is Avril Levine related to Adam Levine from Maroon 5? No, it's not even spelled the same. I mean, maybe they're related, but it's a secret. How how's how's the spelling different? Uh Adam Levine is spelled like Levin, like it's, I think it's L I V I N E, uh -huh. and Avril is L I V I G N E. Well, that's not so different. She just added a G for girl and an A instead of an E. Yeah. For Canadian. <laughs> I don't know. Albertan. She's from Alberta, isn't she? I hope she is, because that makes this argument work for me. Probably not. <laughs> well, I've got one. I guess I've got one last one. From Ontario. And it, it really is in keeping with the level of class that we like to show here. I'm so excited. On the, uh, on the Mildly Alarming podcast, poop falls from the <laughs> sky and ruins Sweet 16 party, family says. I love this because the very first actual non-headline quote, direct quote from one of the family members of the article, it was brown. It was everywhere. It got on everything. That's amazing. Uh, so no, wait, listen, what, what happened here? They were having a birthday party, a sweet 16 party in Pennsylvania for this girl with her family and probably some friends with a pool, and some cake and whatnot. 
when, and I quote, out of nowhere from the sky comes a bunch of feces, lands on her. Cambray, that's uh, Joe Cambry's the father, told the Philadelphia local news station he was reportedly playing horseshoes while others among the 40 people in attendance were swimming in the pool when the skies opened up. Some of the poo landed on the family's brand new canopy while other bits hit a baby seat. We just got done with cake. Thank God we took the cake back in. This is not how Pennsylvania people talk at all. <laughs> because within two minutes, something fell from the sky. It was brown. It was everywhere. It got on everything. I grabbed a hose from over here, immediately started lining things up to start washing it off. Apparently what they think happens, because one of their friends immediately pulled out their smartphone, is all intelligent people do. They're like, I know what's happening. I have an iPhone. Uh, to, deduce that, to deduce that several planes were flying overhead at that moment in question. Go figure. The FAA told Fox 29 that all airplanes are legally required to dispose of waste at the airport, but the family has filed a complaint and the FAA will investigate the mystery of the falling feces. It's the whole article. That's, that's the worst possible thing that can happen at a birthday yeah, party. I, I don't think anyone know would know about poo falling from the sky being an airplane thing if it weren't for that horrible movie, Joe Dirt. I, I've never seen it. Don't. But there's a point where like something hits the ground and he thinks it's a meteor and it's about the size of like your torso. And, like he carries it around in a wagon because he thinks it's a meteorite. But it, it's a big hunk of frozen shit. And like he eats, he eats like he gets uh he gets French fries and puts the ketchup on it and like eats off of it and then he realizes it's a Boeing bomb, which is when a, an airplane releases its 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 bathroom whatnot mm-hmm. from the sky and it and it solidifies as it falls and then you have a big poo meteor gross it is gross i'm glad that's never happened to me i'm not glad that it's never happened to you you're glad it's never happened to you though oh yeah yeah but i want you to suffer but and be any... covered by sky poo but the thing is any situation where i'm likely to be covered by sky poo you're probably there worth it <laughs> Uh, good times. You got anything else? I got one more. All right. Hit me. Uh, this one comes from, and this is going to sound like an ethnic slur, but it's not. It comes from nymag.com. <laughs> That's N-Y-M-A-G dot C-O-M. Shut up, you filthy Nymag. <laughs> <laughs> They're people from below the earth. The Nymags. They're part magma. That makes sense. And I don't know where the Nye comes from. Probably because they live in New York. Who knows? Probably because they're descended from Bill Nye, who bedded their queen in ancient days. He would. Yeah, that's how he gets down. I hear the Nye mags are really into bow ties. So yeah. I guess that's where and that all comes their, from. their scientific advancements are without parallel. Yeah. They have cheesy 90s TV shows about them. Inertia is a property of matter. Bill, 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 Bill. Bill, 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 Bill. <laughs> but anyway, on NIMAG.com, they have an article uh, entitled, Life is Hard for Incredibly Handsome Men. Oh, I believe it. I believe it, too. Like, it, it's a constant struggle over here. Listen, something is hard for incredibly handsome <laughs> men. What is it? I don't well, know. I, don't, I, don't I, know just, I assume something is. Yeah, yeah, Rocks are hard. <laughs> Uh, but a new study seems to confirm what we'll call the, quote, Kit Harrington effect, which holds that a man's hunkiness may in fact prove an obstacle to his career. Should I know who and or what a Kit Harrington is? Maybe I'm only like 48% sure it's the guy who plays Jon Snow on A Game of Thrones. I could not possibly care less. Fair enough. I don't know. You might care because he's constantly got this kind of goofy look on his face. And it's a little bit funny. I mean, if he's good looking enough, I guess I might care. <laughs> mm, fair enough. Uh, but research from the University of Maryland suggests that good looking men sometimes have difficulty getting jobs in competitive environments like sales because they are subconsciously perceived as a threat to those in charge of hiring. Translation, hiring managers think pretty boys are so pretty that they're going to take their jobs. And so they don't hire them to begin with. Apparently. You are correct. He's in Game of Thrones. Ah, okay. Does he play Jon Snur? He looks like that guy. I didn't bother to go to IMDb and figure it out. I just he, looked at what Giggle told me. Fair enough. He's really he's really good at looking like he knows nothing, Jon Snow. We can't be friends anymore. You say that every week, and yet here we still are, 15 weeks later, 
still doing this <laughs> podcast. Well, if you think Tom should be summarily punished for uh, ever referencing any part of Game of Thrones, let alone you know nothing, Jon Snow, uh, hit us up. On Twitter, at you Mildly have Alarming. a Winter is Coming Doge shirt. Yeah. Don't even give me that business. Yeah, but it's only funny because of Doge. <laughs> it is pretty good. Uh, my brother, my older brother, Ricky, who now I can make listen to this episode because I <laughs> called him out in it, hates that I have that shirt because of Doge, which is the only reason I have that shirt. He doesn't hate it because it's Game of Thrones? I would think he would hate Game of Thrones more than almost anything. He probably wouldn't like Game of Thrones, but... I think he senses which part of it I like and ah, needs to be mad at me about it. That's fair. So that's where we are. It's yeah. sort of like how he senses anything that brings us joy in life and then mocks us for it. Yeah, it's good to have an older brother. I'm glad you can sort of inherit mine in a kind of weird way. Yeah, in that you're my son, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that still doesn't make sense. How I, is that inheritance? I don't know. I don't know what's happening. If you're as confused as we are about genealogy <laughs> hit us up on twitter at mildly alarming if you can tell me whether or not genealogy is the study of genies send us an email at mildly alarming show at gmail.com it isn't or maybe it is i hope it is if you have an opinion one way or the other you can leave a comment on the website at www.mildlyalarming.com you could also leave a five-star review in which you just talk about genies on iTunes, and you could probably <laughs> review or give stars or some number of other things on Stitcher, but we're also there at Stitcher. Just go to the go to the website and find the Stitcher link. It's there. Or you can just roll up your shirt and percuss out your comment in Morse code on your belly, and we'll get it. I'll hear it. I'll I can hear, hear all belly sounds all the time from everywhere. That sounds awful. <laughs> it gets distracting. We'll see you next week. Cheers! And that's how it all ended. I don't know that we changed the world with our little podcast, but I do know we changed each other. And though we weren't all gathered in one place again, we kept in touch. Alphonse moved to Montana, where he became a big name on the rodeo circuit. He was gored by a bull in 1983 and had his digestive tract replaced with old PVC tubing. These days, he live-tweets the brunch buffet at the Golden Corral. Gary's podcast ran for 11 seasons, won six Peabody Awards, and two Pulitzer Prizes. In 2008, he was named America's Ambassador to Ecuador, where he died in a tragic sea turtle accident. Devin turned out to have been a hallucination the whole time. He became an accountant and lives in Fort Lauderdale. The five-minute geek show was scoured by vengeful fire from the sky. Tom Rich disappeared for a while after the podcast. He resurfaced last year with a huge beard, massive fangs, lengthy claws, and it might have been a bobcat, actually, now that I think about it. I still have no idea where he went. And me? Well, I stayed right here. Settled down, built a go-kart, had 11 kids and a rented mule, recorded a retrospective on my podcasting days. I know you can't go back, but sometimes when I smell podcasts in the wind or hear someone gurgle into a microphone... I think back on what a dumb butthole Tom was, mix myself another G&T, and smile.